Luke chapter 10. I'm excited. Glory, glory. Glad you're here. Glad you're out there watching. Luke chapter 10. We're going to talk about healing tonight. Healing for the body. Aren't you glad that God in His plan of redemption saw fit to think about your physical body? Uh, Praise God. Uh, As you guys could tell, especially Sunday, you know, my body was, uh, you know, dealing with symptoms. I feel night and day better, you know. Then I did on Sunday, praise God. And, uh, you know, whatever, whatever stuff is, whether it's seasonal stuff that wants to try to come on you or a cold or a virus or a bacteria, I, I don't care what it is. I'm talking about my, what we call milder stuff. It's no fun. I said it's no fun to not feel good, right? And it hinders, doesn't it? It hinders. Uh, You know, it's sad to me that Christians have been so religiously brainwashed and hoodwinked that they've they've had to do all these little theological uh, gymnastics to try to come up with this idea and accept that God's sickness is somehow at times perhaps God's plan for our life. No, sickness is a, is a thief. Yes. It's a thief. It, it turns wives and husbands into caretakers. Uh, you know, my precious dad, my, my mom number two, my stepmom, dad, and Peggy, for about two years now, I'm going to guess, they've been full-time caregivers. Uh, as uh, Gigi has uh, just turned 100. Just turned 100 this month. And, uh, but, you know, physically, her health is, is in decline. She, she's been a faithful Christian all her life, and God's blessed her with long life. And, uh, but, but even now, the condition that she's in right now is not God's will. And, you know, my dad and my mom, they're doing the honorable thing. You, you do the honorable thing. And, uh, but it's restricted them. They can't just leave the house, go where they want to go. They can't come here. Uh, you know, because there's, there's them to, there's Gigi to consider and Gigi's not well, right? And, uh, but, you know, so we're, you know, talking about the caretaker, uh, but also the person themselves. What about them? You know, there's a destiny on all of our lives. There's a call on all of our life. There's a purpose on all of our life. And many have uh, not been able to fulfill their purpose not been able to walk out the will of God for their life because of sickness, disease, pain, right? And plus, if you know anything about God and who He is, right? You know, I just read 1 John, uh, all five chapters today, uh, just going through it in a different translation, and uh, over and over and over again, it says God is love. God is love. Now, I've, I've been a parent a good long time now, so I'm not new at it, but it just seems like yesterday where my little faith there was just, just right here, just right here. And, uh, you know, what parent seeing a child suffer, even a mild, whatever it might be, much less something really severe, would not do anything to relieve their child's suffering, to take their place, say, let it be me and not them. And yet we struggle sometimes Wondering, amen, about what God's will, His desire, His attitude is in this area. Amen. And, it's like, and like I said in a recent Wednesday night service, it is not irksome to me to go over and to say the same things again and again and again. Though you've heard, and like the Bible says, are even established in the present truth of healing. <clears throat> amen. Here in Luke chapter 10, Uh, Verse number, we'll look at verse number 19. The whole chapter is just wonderful, full of light, full of revelation. But we'll look at verse uh, number 19. Uh, Now his disciples, not just the 12, but the 70, we don't even know their names. They were just followers of Jesus. They went out in teams of two. Uh, You can read about that earlier, earlier in the chapter. And he said, go, you guys go in teams of two to village after village, preach the good news. And notice what he said to them, 
heal the sick there. I love that. Over and over it's recorded. He'll say, heal the sick there. Or, uh, studying on healing this week, over and over again it says, Jesus, he came across multitudes, multitudes followed them, groups of people, and he healed them. You had to know there had to be some ornery ones in that bunch, in a multitude. In what I actually looked it up in the Greek. I mean, I wanted to know because it says that people came from all over and cast the sick at the feet of Jesus. If I were to cast something at you, what does that mean? And literally in the Greek, it means to suddenly fling, to toss or to throw. And so there was such a healing flow about Jesus. They just pitched them. I, I sat there for several minutes at my desk yesterday thinking, Oh, Jesus, this would be one of the moments I would love to have you replay for me when I get to heaven. How, wouldn't you have loved to be there that day? Where, you know, there's such a crowd and everybody that's getting close enough to touch Jesus is being miraculously healed. And so someone says, forget it, Grandma. I'm just tossing you. <laughs> right? Or like at the clubs or like at the place where they do the little lift crawl, the, the, the concert dive, you know. Just pitch them. But so that you know again that your pastor is a student of the word. I did a deep dive Greek study on the word cast, and it means they tossed them. They threw them. And it says, he healed them all. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so these, these what, there would have been 35 teams, 70 disciples, 35 teams of two. They went out for a period. They cast out devils. They preached the gospel. Uh, that, of the kingdom, and they healed people in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus doesn't have to be physically present for you to be healed by him. They proved that even before he left. See, Jesus even then was very interested in multiplying his ministry as far and wide as he could even back then. And that's still his desire today. He's the head, but we're the body. Well, he's a healer. In his body, there's healing in his body. And healing should be coming to the multitudes, to the world, through his body. Hallelujah. But that, that just seems obvious to me that healing, therefore, must come to his body. I mean, why would he want the healing to come through the body, but not to the body? We are the body of Christ. So anyway, they came back after a season of time doing that. We really don't know how long. Matter of weeks, matter of days, we don't know. And they said, oh, geez, look, uh, even the demons are obeying us in your name. They're subject to us in your name. And then Jesus, in response, he makes this wonderful statement. He says, behold, I give you. Who? Now, I love that he addresses this as 70 disciples, unnamed disciples plus the 12, you know, presumably. And so we don't even know their names, lest you think he's just talking to the apostles. Because people trip over that. Oh, that's the apostles. No, this is much more than the apostles. These are disciples of Jesus. Are you with me? You hang with me, you'll, you'll get blessed. You'll you, you get healed if you need to get healed tonight. Amen. 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 So Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. That's symbolic language for demonic powers. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing. Don't you like that? Yes. Nothing by any means, circle that word means, by any means hurt you. How much power or authority has Jesus given his disciples over the enemy? Over all his ability, over all his power. Now, for time's sake, we won't turn there, but John 10, 10, you remember that? 
Jesus said the thief comes, talking about the devil, the thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the only reason he comes. I don't care what friendly costume he shows up in. He's only coming. He's not your buddy. He's not your friend. He's not there to play. Uh, let's make a deal. My way's better. Let's have some fun. No. He's going to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's intent to do. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have more abundantly. So part of the ability of the enemy, uh, what, remember, what's his aim? What's his goal? Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. One of the means by which he steals, kills, and destroys is through sickness, is through disease, through pain, through tragedy. Hello? Now, you're, you didn't leave Luke, did you? By any means. Let's just, let's just identify this one means that he employs to try to steal, kill, and destroy you. Sickness and disease. How much power and authority has Jesus given you, his disciple, over that means of the enemy? Accor not according to what religion taught you. Hello? Not, don't judge it by your church experience. Judge it by what Jesus said. How much authority and power over the devil and his sickness and disease that he would bring against you to kill you, steal from you, destroy you, do you have over him? All. All. Man, that makes me want to praise God. I mean, praise God. What about, what about the bigger diseases? What about the C word? All the ability of the enemy. All of, all of the ability of the enemy. And the verse ends how? By saying what? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Where's this preaching been all your life? Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Go over with me now to Galatians chapter 3. Just want to set some very quick foundation and then move on and talk about some things. Galatians chapter 3. You know, sickness is an enemy. It's not your friend. And God isn't using sickness to make you a better child of His. I mean, that just doesn't pass the smell test. I mean, that smells for sure. Amen. You know, and I understand how sincere Christians are and how quick they are to want to trust their preacher. Amen. And listen, I want you to be able to trust me, but don't. Get into the Word for yourself. Amen? Get into the Word for yourself and find out whether or not these things are true or not. Look at verse number 13 and 14. It says, Christ has, past tense, redeemed us from sin. Is that what it says? You know, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says Christ has redeemed us from sin. That's a head scratcher, but I mean, it is true. It's included. But what did he say in this verse that we're redeemed from? We're redeemed from the curse of the law. That, right? Is that what you, you go ahead and I'm quoting it. You look at it. That, I like to say, so that, that's what he means. That, what? That the blessing, the opposite of being cursed, of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus mm -hmm. and the promise of the, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. Through faith. So it says here that unequivocally Christ has redeemed us, Christians, from the curse of the law. 
Well, the only thing you got to know now is what is the curse of the law? Well, how would you find that out? You'd have to go back to the law. And uh, I see Paulo, but he, I'm not going there, brother. Hallelujah. But, uh, but that's what you would do. You would go back to, to the law and read it. What, are, what is the curse? What is the penalty that God outlined for sinning, for breaking his law? Deuteronomy 28 is the best single chapter to go and study that in. You will find, again, go check me, that you could summarize the curse of the law outlined in that chapter in three, three you know, categories. Number one is spiritual separation from God. That's the first thing that happened to Adam, right? They were forcibly separated from God. Sin will separate you from God. That's part of the curse, right? Aren't you glad you and I will never be separated from God again? Never be separated from God again. Maybe if you wanted to be, but you'll never be alone again. I don't ever want to be alone. Hallelujah. He's always with me. Amen. But number two is poverty. Poverty is part of the curse of the law. And number three is sickness, disease, and death. Now, if you needed it, we just don't have time for it, but go and check me. But that's what the curse of the law is. Now, over here in the New Testament, on the other side of the cross, what's our reality? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let's just deal with that one aspect. Christ has redeemed us from sickness and disease. Now, the Bible says the last enemy that shall be put underfoot is physical death. So one day these bodies will die. Amen. But we don't have to be sick between now and then. Because we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So put these two quick truths together. Just in your head. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He said, Behold, I give unto you power over all the ability of the enemy, so that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of sickness and disease. And the purpose was that you go on that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and that they might receive the promise of the Spirit, that's the baptism with the Holy Spirit, through faith. Now, notice here, faith is mentioned. Praise God. Oh, glory. Now, I got one of my, this is all healing scriptures from different translations. I don't know if we have any more of these in the bookstore, but if you don't have one, you got to get one. This is Luke 10, 19, just some different wonderful translations, okay? Just to give you some flavor. Behold, I give unto you authority and power over all the power that the enemy possesses. I like this one. I have indeed invested you with power to stamp on every minion of the enemy. What was the movie that had the minions? Think about, don't, you know, sometimes fear and the devil, he tries to threaten you. When you want to think about demons anymore, just think about the little minions. Yeah. Not so intimidating anymore. We should not be intimidated by demons, by the power of the devil, because this translation says, I, Jesus, have indeed invested you with power to stamp on his minions. Wow. Glory. The Fenton translation says, I have given you the authority to tread. Stamp. Uh, Praise God. A lot of these are similar. I have given thee the free right of treading over. I have given you power over all the power of the foe, the enemy. I like this phrase. I endow you with power to vanquish. Glory to God. Here's another one. The ICB translation says, I give you more power than the enemy has. I like that. 
So if, you, if, if Sister Vicki back there lived in this time, instead of, you know, she was one of these unnamed disciples, she'd be in this group. She'd been out there with a team. She'd already seen the power of the name of Jesus. That it worked. Amen. And Miss Vicki, she'd be back there and she'd, she's in that group. And she hears him say, I have given you more power than all the power that the enemy has. Well, Miss Vicki, then none of us should leave scared or intimidated or fearful about what the devil might try to do to us tomorrow. Or as we get a year older or a decade older or five decades older. Amen. Over and over and over, I give you power to trample. I have given to you the authority needed for trampling upon the agencies of evil. Now, I like reading that over and over and over and over in different translations because one of the things that comes out to me is, I have something to do. Maybe someone out here, but I'm going to address it anyway, will say, Pastor, if this is true, that Jesus has given his disciples more power than the enemy, has power over sickness and disease, so that nothing, sickness and disease, can't harm them. You know, someone out there might be thinking, I know, I know plenty of sincere Christians that were really harmed by the devil and sickness and disease. My answer to that is, yeah, honey, you have to tread. Jesus didn't say, yeah, don't worry about nothing, be lazy, because I'm going to take care of everything for you. What did he say? I have given you power. I have given you authority. I have given you ability. See, if you and I don't tread on what Jesus said we're supposed to tread on, then the thing, instead of it being treaded, it will, it, will, it will have ability to hurt us. You don't get to be neutral. You either get to be a treader and a trampler or a victim. That's a good statement. I'm going to say that again. You with me? Concerning the devil and his attacks against your life, it's, the outcome is not all up to God. You, you have something big to say about it. Well, I'm going to let my pastor do all the treading and trampling. That's not what he said either. If you don't tread over the demons and powers of the enemy that you're supposed to tread over, if you don't learn to do your own trampling, you will be treaded and trampled. You have to use the authority and the dominion and the name and the faith that has been given to you to walk in healing and health and to repel every attack of the enemy. To walk in what has been provided for you. Yes, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Well, how come I've got so much of the curse in my life? It goes on and says that we receive them through faith. Go to 2 Peter with me. Y'all all all right? All right. A few of you act a little sleepy out there. (laughs) This is the kind of message that little, little Baptist Methodist boy on fire. It is such an empowering, life-changing thing when you find out I don't have to live every day wondering what what God will do, what His will is. Or if the devil can just come along, if he decides to pick on me that day and put cancer in my body or take me out with sickness and disease or kill my kids in a car crash, that kind of thing. It's so wonderful to know I have something to say about it. I said I have something to say about it. Hallelujah. And you have something to say about it. And when you have something to say about it, being silent is not an answer. It's the exact wrong thing. you got to get out of wondering mode and wishing mode and praying prayers like, Lord, if it be thy will, 
and begin to find out and really discover who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and meditate on, you know, you're not going to get as strong in that. I'm not as strong as in Luke 10, 19 as I want to be. Amen. But if you can tell, I have any bit of str- I love that verse. I think about that verse. I talk that verse. We did about last week about meditating in verses. That's how you get that in you. Until it dawns on your spirit. Oh, watch out. Amen. And you begin to speak to symptoms. And you say, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't, sore throat. Oh, no, you don't, nasal congestion. Uh-uh-uh. You're not ruining my spring. You're not keeping me inside. I'm not making the pharmaceutical companies rich this year. Hallelujah. So we've looked at how Jesus has put it. We've looked in Galatians how Paul kind of put it. Let's look how Peter put this wonderful life that we've been called to live. Second Peter, the first chapter, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them, notice the tense, who have obtained. What have you obtained? Like precious faith. Put that up in the Amplified if you could for me. We've obtained like precious faith with with us, he said. So what kind of faith have we obtained? Like precious faith. Like whose? Like whose? You know, I look at some of these athletes and I go, Oh, I wish I could do that. (laughs) Right? I mean, I, I tried. I gave it a good shot, Brother John, in my day to dunk the basketball. And my bet I could do it with one hand, barely with a girl's basketball. My hands were just a little bit too small. S- some of you, so, and, and then you, you watch these uh, singing talent shows, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. Right? Some Christians look at the apostles' faith. Or their minister's faith. Or another prayer warrior's faith in their church. And they go, oh, I wish I had faith like that. Simon Peter. I mean, Simon Peter raised people from the dead by the power of God in the name of Jesus. Crippled people. Do you know God used his shadow? It was another one of those throwing sick people moments. I'm telling you, read your Bible. I'm telling you, it's really cool. Right there in the book of Acts. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle, no doubt he was, special messenger of Jesus Christ to those who have received, obtained an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves. Courtney, you don't have an inferior faith to the faith Peter had. That's right. Your faith is not inferior. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says that we have all received the measure of faith, including you, Brother Jesse. Amen. All of us who are born again received the measure of faith. The faith of God. Praise God. Oh, I'm telling you, I like it. So we have received this faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now notice verse 3 especially. According as His divine power has given. What's the tense? Past, present, or future? Has, past tense, has given unto us. What? Exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might become a partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. That would include sickness. That would include disease. This is just Peter's way of saying it. Amen? We have the faith of God. 
we have the very same quality of faith that Peter had, that the apostles had. Amen. And notice he points out, things have already been bestowed on you. Let's sum it up. Three passages. Jesus said, I've given you all power over the enemy so that to the degree that nothing by any means shall hurt you. Paul told us that Christ has redeemed us, already done from the curse of the law. How did he do that? He became a curse for us. He took our place. He paid our price. Glory to God. And now Peter says, you've got the same kind of faith I have. Amen. And God has already given unto us all things. I don't know that I quoted that right, but it says all things that pertain unto life. He's already given you as his disciple all things that pertain to your life. Food pertains to my life, given. Right? Shelter, that pertains, given. Food, given, provided. Health, protection, guardian angels. I mean, you've had more given to you than you probably know. But Peter goes on and he gives us a nugget. In what form are they given? They're given in the form of an exceeding great and precious promise. And it's by those exceeding great and precious promises that each of us individually become a partaker of God's divine nature. Think about God's divine nature. Is he... uh, when he gets up off the throne, you know, does he go, oh, man. We've got an angel that specializes in chiropractor, don't we? Put a massage unit on this throne while I'm away doing universe business here. Is that the divine nature? I mean, he's, has he ever sneezed from his throne? Is that what you imagine? He emanates Life. He emanates life, eternal life. Life so holy and so intense, he sustains all life everywhere for all eternity. And he never has to be plugged in or recharged or nothing. And we, are we reading the same Bible, Reverend Marilyn? Does your say anything like that? That we can partake? Of his divine nature? Yes, sir. Oh, I'm in. That's worth laying beer and cigarettes and all that junk of the world down for? Tell me how. Tell me how. Through these exceeding great and precious promises. So he mentions promises, but he notice he mentions this. He mentions like precious faith. Faith is a common thing. I said, faith is a common thing. So y'all will just give me a couple more minutes here. You're in Peter. Go to, back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, the New Testament's going to, if you'll pay attention as you read it, it's going to highlight for you what, what's yours, what belongs to you. We already found out from Jesus' own words you say, Pastor Chris, now hold on, I do have a question. He is talking to, okay, let's, let's say the 12 plus 70. We're not in that. Well, honey, yes, we are. We really are because if you read the Great Commission accounts after the resurrection, like Matthew 28, you just write that down. He says he's about to leave for heaven. He's been resurrected from the dead. Theologians universally believe this statement doesn't just apply to people present, but to disciples everywhere throughout the church age. Go ye into all... What did he say? Behold, all authority is given unto me in heaven and, right, and on earth. Go ye therefore. Before he left, the authority that Adam and Eve lost... He didn't give it back universally to every human, but he gave it back to his disciples. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, preach the good news, heal the sick, speak with tongues, 
walk, in, walk out signs and wonders and all those signs. Amen. Hallelujah. But like I said, if you don't do some treading and trampling, that's why sickness and disease is having its way with you. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So funny, right, just how this stuff doesn't make sense, how these arguments fall, fall apart. No, sometimes God will want you to suffer in sickness for His glory. They say stuff like this. Right? That it could be the will of God, yet those very same people will pray earnestly for them that God might see fit to heal them. And people that teach that sometimes it might be God's will for you to be ill or sick or broken, that person will, with everybody's agreement, go to the doctor, go to the hospital, have surgery, do everything they can do to get out of God's will. People that really preach and teach that it could be God's will for you to be sick, you should, if, if you at all think that it might be the will of God for you to have that runny nose, Better not take any medicine because that makes you a rebel. Why are you rebelling against the will of God? You better not have that surgery. You better cancel that doctor's appointment. Just be a really good Christian and say, I'm suffering for the Lord. You see how this stuff doesn't make sense? It turns hospitals, instead of them being places of mercy... They become places of rebellion against the will of God. And doctors and surgeons and nutritionists and all of our medical helpers become aiders and abettors. Don't tell me it's the will of God. You got to think right. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12. You get anything out of this? Hope so. Fight the good fight of faith. Do you see that? 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Why don't you say that with me out loud? Fight the good fight of faith. Is there a fight to faith? There'd have to be. Otherwise, he'd be wrong to say it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Lay hold. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Amen? You'll never do that with the earnesty, earnestness and sincerity that you need to and should until you become firmly rooted in the knowledge it's God's will for you to be healed. It's God's will for you to be well. An, a leper was instantly healed. Took less than 10 seconds. Amen. In Jesus' ministry, once he got that question answered. You read about it in Matthew chapter 8. He came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I know if you're willing, you could make me clean. And the Bible says immediately. He touched him and said, I will Amen. be thou cleansed. Now, see to me, that settles it. Yeah. Well, no, honey, because that's the will of God for him. It might not be the will of God for you. So he's a respecter of persons. Is that what we're saying now? Because I have two or three scriptures that say God is no respecter of persons. So we still have this problem here, don't we? All things being, I feel a little ornery. All things being equal, if Jesus will heal Sarah, he has to heal Sarah. And if all things being equal, if he won't, then he's a respecter of persons. We have a big problem, if that's right. Once you become established in the fact it is his will, that I walk in divine health, and if that, if that little minion of sickness tries anything with me, 
This is what he's going to get, a fight. He's going to get a fight. It's not a bad fight. He didn't call it a frustrating fight. He didn't call it a wishful fight. He called it the good fight of faith. You know a good fight? What makes it a good fight? It's a fight you win. That's what makes a good fight a good fight. It's a good fight. It's a fight you win. Hallelujah. Are you rising up on the inside in here tonight? Pastor, I could tell that you're congested yourself. What does that have to do with anything? I said, what does that have to do with anything? Amen. Let's close with at least this one. How do I fight the good fight of faith? Well, that's a sermon series, but let's scratch the surface and we'll let you go. Amen. Praise God. What are the first things I think that you should do in order to successfully fight the good fight of faith is to understand that truth is different than a fact. Truth is different from a fact. Natural facts and the truth are not the same. It may be a natural fact that I have symptoms in my body, but that is not the truth. Y'all been coming on Sundays? Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Right? And Jesus answered. Number one, he said, I'm the way. He didn't say that to Pilate, but I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them, the disciples, by your truth. Your word is truth. Facts, natural facts, are subject to change. The truth never will. (laughs) It never will. I said it never will. The fact that a, a believer is overcome and tread upon by the devil and destroyed in this earthly life does not reflect, does not say anything about the truth about the power that they really had. If a Christian succumbs to sickness and disease, you know what? They die with healing in them. If we go bankrupt, lose a bit, we do that with wisdom and prosperity and the leading of the Spirit in us. It's not a condemning thing, but we have victory on the inside. We have health and healing on the inside. Hallelujah. So we have to understand that uh, if you will side and hold to the truth, it will always change the facts. What we preach and teach and believe from the Bible about divine healing is not Christian science. Christian science is mind over matter. It is uh, deny that it's there. You have a test, doctor comes out, shows you a picture of a tumor in your body, and you go, I don't have a tumor. That's a lie, I don't have a tumor. You're not being faith, that's not faith. I said, that's not faith. Faith doesn't deny the natural reality of what is. That's a natural fact. What we just do is smile, thank you, Doc. Appreciate that. You did your best. And we go get the truth, and we lay it beside our photo. And then we have to make a decision. What are we going to believe? You can believe... The veracity of the natural fact. Uh-huh. And if you do, it will win. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Or you can make a demand on the exceedingly great and precious promise yeah. Yeah. of health and healing yeah. for your body. Amen. That Jesus, yeah. His redemption, the price He paid, it's unseen, it's unfelt, but it's true. Yes. We have been redeemed. We have the this, this thing that's real doesn't have the ability to take me out if I will get on it. I will tread on the thing. I will use my faith 
in the unseen truth of God's Word. And if I'll stick with that and hold to that, the truth will change the fact. And one day the doctor will gladly admit that that tumor's not there anymore. Some people have given their doctors hard times in, in my own church and they think it's faith. That's not faith. No, doctor, that's not right. Don't do that to your doctor. He has a natural job. He's giving you natural information. Right? Just take it and go put the truth on it. One more scripture and we'll be, we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Y'all all right tonight? Glory to God. You're doing pretty good. Some of you are still kind of like, uh, I don't know. Praise God. You need to let it penetrate your thick skull. Like mine. I didn't get it at first. I, I sat there like, because it's so different from what I ever, what, what, what? And I went home, dusted, dusted the Bible off, the dust off my Bible, and read it for myself. Sure enough, that's what it said. Praise God. I've seen some pretty cool stuff. God do some pretty cool stuff since then. I had a lady that was nearly over Jackson Street, nearly blind in one eye. We were having a ministering to the sick that night. And the Lord had just prompted me to say, go run into the hall and wash your eye out with water from the water fountain. When you come back, it'll all be healed. She just went and did it. She came back, totally healed. Totally healed in her eye. When I was itinerant pastoring, when we were having church on Saturdays, I helped a country church out here in La Center that didn't have a pastor for about three years. And a young man was all disappointed that he broke his ankle uh, in two-a-days football practice, I think, if I've got that story right. He was going to miss weeks of the season. And I asked him what he believed, because I'd preached on faith and healing. He said, I, I got faith to be healed. And this is what came up in me. Now, I've never done this before. You know, I hadn't done it before. I hadn't done it since. But I said, uh, all right, take your, uh, your boot off. And I said, I want you to jump up in the air. And I want you to land with all your weight on not your good foot, the other foot. He didn't even think about it. He jumped up in the air with a broken angle, ankle. And he landed like that and took off running around the church. And was instantly healed. Went right back to football practice, played the full season. Now bragging on me, I didn't do it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Somewhere between up and down, those bones mended back together. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you know, listen, it took faith for him to do that. Who does that? He did it. I had enough time between the up and down to think about the lawsuit that I might get if it didn't work. Praise God. Fighting the fight of faith is, is so much about not being moved by the natural facts. By how you feel, what you see, the symptoms, the diagnosis, the test results. Those are all natural facts. And what makes faith a fight, those are in your face. They are, you feel them. The doctors can tell you, show you results or pictures or, and then they have studies to show how many of these people in this condition live and how many of them die and how they die. Yeah. Listen, Brother Hagin, they say, oh, yeah, the leading doctor of this particular disease up in Minnesota said, yeah, with this, within a matter of about three years, you're going to go from uh, walking to the chair, to the bed, yeah. to the grave. That's how they all go. 
That's a natural fact. Mm -hmm. That's how they all go. From walking to the chair to the bed to the grave. But each one that he was talking about that ministered to, that got a hold of the promise by faith, they were all healed. Amen. 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 The truth changes facts. Verse 18. We're almost done. While we look not, are there some things you're supposed to not look at? Absolutely. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen or unseen. In other words, don't look at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are not seen. I wrote in one of my Bibles today, look not at natural facts, but look unto the unseen truth of God's Word. That's what he's saying to do. Are you with me? That is what he's saying to do. For the things that are uh, seen, I had a translation here, the things that are seen, what does it say about them? They are temporal or temporary. But the things that are unseen, the exceeding great promise of God, amen, is eternal in the heavens. Aha. Look at, uh, let me read this to you from the Amplified. Did y'all bring your shouting clothes? Okay, four of us brought our shouting clothes. <laughs> Verse 18 from the Amplified says, Since we consider and look not. Let's break that down. We don't, con- we don't, we don't consider and we don't look. We don't consider nor look at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal. I love this. Brief and fleeting. Brief and fleeting. You know that problem you're dealing with? That financial circumstance? Brief and fleeting. Subject to change. Will change. Is changing. Right now. While I do what? I don't look. I, I just, some things you just don't look. Amber's been able to do all of the church and our personal and business finances and not be bothered. I, I couldn't do that. Because I, my makeup is the numbers, I don't care when they're good, the numbers stress me out. So numbers in the natural that are tight or bad or behind, oh my gosh. So you know what I do? I don't even look. Now, I have to have people handle it. Jennifer handles it, right? We have people that handle it. But while she looks at the books on Mondays, I'm looking at the Word. And she does too. She's a girl. I wouldn't have have someone doing our books that didn't have faith. Amen. But we need verses like this marked. You need to know how to get back to this verse when you leave. We're all going to face things. We're all going to have natural facts. They don't look good. They don't feel good. And they're real. Now, we don't deny them. But we, we, we don't consider them. See, a lot of times because, and I'm not picking on the doctors. We're on the same team. We're just attacking this thing from, they, they just know surgery and they know medicine and they know the natural. Right? And, you know, in the worst of cases, they're going to say, now listen, based on this, honey, you need to consider getting your affairs in order. You need to consider this, that, and the other. Well, a faith person won't. I mean, you're planning your funeral. Don't come into my church and tell me you got faith. Because you're being moved by the natural facts. 
picking out your dress and the songs. Who's going to do what? Who gets to come? Who doesn't get to come? Now, you want to do all that? Do it while you're well. But don't do it under, don't do it under the threat of the enemy and the natural circumstance. What? What did I say that's so funny? Yeah, not everybody gets to come to my home going. Oh, I know the live stream's on. But we had people... It, I, I was just a guest, but some people came to Dad Dufresne's homegoing service. They had burned him, lied about him, cheated him, stole from him, and came in there wanting to shake hands like they had all this honor for Dr. Dufresne. Uh-uh. Y'all just feel free to run people out of my homegoing service. We remember when you, what you said about Pastor. Get out of here. Forgive them as they go, but get them out. I know somebody in a group of preachers, group of preachers, Dr. Dufresne was talking to a group of preachers, I think in a foreign country, and one of these dudes that had burned him, whatever, and talked all through the body of Christ bad about him, came up and said, hi, Dr. Dufresne. And Dr. Dufresne, he just didn't play that way. I probably would have shook his hands and been nice and sweet, because that's how I am. Dr. Dufresne goes, I'm not shaking your hand. You don't like me. That guy went. How'd we get off on this? It's David's fault. Consider not. Amen? Praise God. Listen, turn, let's finish it. Turn your attention away from the symptoms. Don't let yourself get, get with, you know, uh, you're a young lady and you got three other young ladies and then all you get to do is... You know, like my grandma, God bless her. She just didn't know. But you get to a certain age, and one of your friends is having a funeral every day, yeah. every week. And so one of the hobbies is they'd get together and read the obituary, see who kicked the, <laughs> see who kicked the bucket. And then they would play cards and talk about, well, how's your back? How's my neck? How's it? Oh, my God. You cannot have faith like that. That's what people want to do. Talk about your bursitis. Talk about your corn. Talk about your, your this or your that. Paul said, don't look at the things that are seen. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about that. You can't be healed. That's not what treading over the enemy looks like. That's not what stamping the devil under your feet looks like. I mean, they did. I, I, you know, you call grandma on the phone from Tulsa. Hey, grandma, how's it going? Well, just got back from the doctor, and uh, and on we go. And you love grandma, but she's going to wear you out about all the new stuff going wrong with her body. I'm trying to get to the other half of this verse. Don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief, fleeting. But the things that are invisible, come on, are, the, look at the Amplified, they are deathless and everlasting. So for me in this particular battle, I spent the bulk of the day yesterday in healing, listening to sermons, meditating on the Word, talking to God. Checking my heart, praising Him, thanking Him, letting Him know I'm, I'm healed. I'm looking at the unseen, unfelt, but exceedingly great and precious promise that by His stripes I was healed. 
He already paid for it. It's just uh, what faith does is it receives it. So, Father, it's so great to not have a sore throat. It's so great to not be achy. It's just so wonderful to not have brain fog. It's just so great, God, to be able to feel good. And I just tell him, Brother Scott, in the back room, I just marvel at the power of God's Word. To, because just, it didn't take long. Right? But to make a huge turn. Healing flows from His Word. He sent His Word and He healed us. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent His Word and He healed us. Amen. So if you're doing great, Wonderful. But just remember this. There's a fight to faith. It's a fight. And there's a lot of other elements that I'd love to come back. Lord willing, we will. And uh, explore about what the fight of faith is and what the fight of faith looks like. But there can be no doubt. Right? If you doubt, you receive nothing. Get yourself established in those promises. Amen? Know what you're supposed to look at and consider and what you're not supposed to. And then do it. Do it. Amen? Stand up tonight. Praise God.